0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Monica Matthews Show. Good day to you, life, love, and liberty here with Monica Matthews. Coming to you live from my Plex room in Atlanta, Georgia. It's so ironic to me that We refer to our continual slide into the financial abyss of the nation as the CARES Act. And now we have upon us CARES Act 2.0, CARES 2.0, Nancy Pelosi revealing to the world Tuesday afternoon, uh, a more than $3 trillion package, um, of debt of debt. See, it, it always amazes me that for years I've been saying, you know, people like, well, the government, the government, this, the government, that the governor, the government will pay for this the government will pay for that. The government pays for this. The government pays for that. I'm like, you do realize that the government pays for nothing that we don't fund it with, right? The government in and of itself would cease to exist basically without tax collection. So when I think of it in terms of, of whose money is being spent and if, if, and when we will ever be able to recover from this economic just black hole, my, and I'm not an economic advisor. I'm not a a monetary specialist or otherwise expert. I'm just a mom who balances my checkbooks. Not always, (laughs) to the penny like I should, but I do understand the basic concept of, uh, debt and hopefully you do too. I want to cover some of some, some interesting, interesting items that have been tucked away into your $3 trillion cares package. You ready? Get ready. Okay. Remember when President Trump dismissed Glenn Fine, who was the acting Pentagon inspector general? Uh, he w- it wasn't that long ago. He was slated to uh, lead the oversight of, of Congress's coronavirus response. Okay, well, he's out of here. All right. Uh, As well as Michael Adkinson, you might recall. Michael Adkinson, uh, known as the top watchdog for the intelligence community, uh, he decided to play the telephone game with Congress, right? Which is how we ended up with the impeachment by the House of Donald J. Trump, our 45th president, who will likely be our 46th president. And we will all suffer through another. Four years of this complete national insanity. I'm not sure what's left for the left to do with regard to uh, the president's um, tenure, uh, to his presidency in general. But here they've tucked away in your CARES Act. They care so much about you that they want to castrate the president uh, from being able to remove an inspector general. Only on specific grounds will he be allowed to do so. Right now he's just, you know, he actually has the power to fire inspectors general without a specific cause because that's how it was set. up. Uh, you know, what's interesting to me is I think the Democrats forget that at some point in the future there will be another Democrat in office. And, and all of these little stopgaps that have been put in place to neuter or otherwise castrate the president... The seat of the office of the president will also be things that they too will need to contend with. You'd think we had learned this lesson over the years with various measures that the Senate and Congress has taken um, that have, in fact, backfired on them uh, through this very administration. But under the Democrats' proposal, the president can, uh, can remove an inspector general only on specific grounds, including this, abuse of power, permanent incapacity. What does that mean? Neglect and conviction of a felony or conduct involving moral tur- turpitude. Now, in light of what was discovered about the Ukraine phone conversation, which became a big fat nothing burger, because that's what it was from the beginning, right? To me, that is conduct involving moral turpitude. You know why? because it's gossip. It's hearsay. Remember that term? Remember Jerry Nadler telling us that hearsay is, is better than hearing from the actual witness in, in a crime. Because remember the whistleblower is someone that needed to be protected at all costs. Okay. So this is something that the Democrats feel are important to shove into the back of your CARES 2.0 act. Number two, mandatory masks on Amtrak. And this amazing. Um, the requirement if adopted would run through the duration of the national emergency declared by the president in March. It comes after a number of lawmakers voice concerns about the lack of masks in airports and train stations. Um, keep in mind, Nancy, is on her pressers without, and they've been meeting without masks, but this is something that should be mandatory for the rest of us. This is so important that you're going to shove that in your CARES two point act bill. Uh, for those of you who are in the up and smoke industry, um, the secure and fair enforcement banking act, the safe banking act passed by the house in September, Uh, would allow cannabis businesses and their providers, many of which have remained open during the COVID crisis, to work with federally backed banks and insurers. Uh, You've got Representative Ed Perlmutter, who said that he's super pumped about this because this crisis has only exacerbated the risk posed to cannabis businesses and their employees, and they need relief just like any other legitimate business. I don't know how people have been um, acquiring their cannabis needs. I don't know if they've just had kind of like, you know, drive up and grab your pot. I don't know. And that's not to make fun of folks who are on it for medical purposes. I have several friends who absolutely swear by it and take it for uh, cancer-related issues and whatnot. But but this is important provisions for The pot business, uh, utility shutoffs. (laughs) This is actually, though, (laughs) something that I may or may not agree with. I can confirm, actually, and I will not deny that it is no secret to my audience that I am not a fan or friend of the utility mafia. For reasons which I will explain now, as a single, widowed, broke, ass, busted, and disgusted parent, Um, who had her electricity and other services shut off multiple times throughout the course of my daughter's childhood for a number of reasons, not the least of which is because I just couldn't afford to pay my bill because I was in the hospital with my daughter who was chronically ill near death for a number of years, like 12 to be exact. And it was very difficult for me sometimes to just keep the lights on. And can I tell you, I could not care less if utility companies were broken down to like one person to contend with. I mean, like if everyone just walked out except for one customer service agent, to me, it would be considered poetic justice, but that's just my own bias. But there would be a ban on utility companies cutting off water and electricity. Uh, Basically, through the duration of the pandemic. All right. Uh, so, low income folks, people who, you know, yeah, you know, what, but here's what's interesting to me it's like if, if, if more people than not are receiving a check uh, to, to the, in the, in the amount of something of which they've never seen before, like 22 bucks an hour to be exact, we computed it a few weeks ago on my radio program. Um, most people are making, I don't know, seven, eight bucks if they're working, but let's just assume that this money's going to good hearted, hardworking, paying law abiding citizens, right? So if you're receiving a check that's greater than what you've received from the government, I mean, from your job, and you're receiving that from the government at my expense and really at yours too, cause we're all going to pay for it in the end. Why can't you pay your bills? Why can't you pay your utility bills if someone's still covering the cost for you to live? See, see, this is, I love it because it really is like karmic justice. And I really don't believe in karma. But for me personally, it's like, wow, I lived a life of having to rob Peter to pay Paul like a financial shell game for so long, um, that it became a way of life. And it's, and it's not, it's, it's survival. It is survival, but no one ever said to me, oh, don't worry about it, sweetheart. We know your husband died. We know your daughter's at death's door, and we know that you don't have a pot to pee in or a a window to throw it out, but we're going to leave your electricity on until this, this epidemic in your life passes. Nope. No one ever said that to me. And if I had gotten a check from the government, um, you can bet your butt that it would be going to pay my utilities to keep my things refrigerated, to keep my house cooled or heated, to keep my water running, to keep my trash picked up. You know, there were any number of things. We went without cable for many years. I mean, how many homes should just shut off their uh, electronic devices, their smart TVs, their Wi-Fi? I mean, want to, I bet you they're paying those bills. I bet you folks are paying those bills. Now this should not surprise you. Okay. Here's something else shoved in your $3 trillion debt bill. Ready? An EPA study. (laughs) This is awesome. On pollution and health. Okay. And here's why. It has been long established that poorer minority communities tend to be uh, more polluted than wealthier regions of the country. Now, let me tell you something. I live in the city of Atlanta, and I live in the city of Atlanta. Okay? We all breathe the same air within a I don't know, 10-mile radius from the hood to what well, doesn't appear to be a hood where I live. It's more of an affluent neighborhood. But trust me, the hood comes here in order to feed off of suspecting and unsuspecting pearl clutchers. Uh, our air is equally as crappy. So uh, there's your study. There, There's part of, what was it? It's going to provide, if you would like to uh, deposit $50 million into my bank account, I just successfully concluded your study of air quality, um, between the haves and the have nots, the wealthier regions of the country. And, and Georgia not exactly a poor state. So I would argue that we are not a poor state as poor states go according to those standards. But if you're going strictly by per capita individuals in, in urban areas, I live here. I can tell you our air quality not the greatest, but that has very little to do with wealth as much as it does the fact that we have six cranes operating in our city and in any given point in time building on infrastructure that is not capable of handling new economic development, but we do anyway, we offer. Uh, tax incentives to industries that bring people here by the hundreds of thousands into the millions, uh, who like to live in the urban area. I wish they would move out and utilize more of the rural um, or suburbs of our great state, but they don't. They like to. It's cool and it's hip and it's sexy to live right here in the metropolitan area of Atlanta. Again, we cannot handle the the level of traffic on our roadways that, that we have currently. So there 50 million bucks. I'll be happy to pass along my bank account information. Oh, that's right. You already have it because I've already received my stimulus check. Okay. Uh, nursing home strike teams. That's up next. Uh, in many states, more than half of all COVID-19 deaths being reported are in nursing homes. Okay. A provision in the house bill would set aside $150 million for the department of health and human services to create groups that would be deployed to help nursing facilities contain and manage outbreaks. So back to our gems of society, G E M S. And speaking of moral, uh, what did we call it? Moral turpitude, right? Um, I currently, through this crisis, I've admitted to you guys on several occasions that my life's priorities have shifted and I am no longer thinking just about myself and my future where I will live once I escape the Atlanta city limits, which will hopefully be on a large farm, a large tract of land on which I can build um, various, you know, whatever little hut my mom or my daughter wants to live in. My daughter, she's a Gen Zer. She thinks she can just buy a a house that comes in a box. And I pour the slab and bada bing, bada boom, their house is up in 24 hours or two days rather. So apparently this is a thing now, but she's down with that as long as mom provides the land. All right, cool. So my mom got to have her near me as well as she ages, because I've made a commitment that unless, you know, she doesn't know who anyone is and she's combative and she's not well, which that will never happen because I've already prayed that off of her. Uh, but if it did and she was completely incapacitated and I could not care for her 24 hours a day, seven days a week, other than that, she is going to live near me. I've made that decision. So I think it's interesting that we just continue to throw money at stuff. This is, this is kind of like reminds me of the education system. (laughs) <laughs> That's a whole other story. Oh my God. The city of Atlanta just hired yet another superintendent. That's right. She's making over 300 grand a year and $2,000 a month in, in, ex, in expenses. Like she has an expense account of two grand a month. I'm like, does that come with like a professional chauff- chauffeur, a butt wiper? I mean, like, you know, w- w- what else am I paying for here? for kids who can't read past eighth grade, um, and kids who would prefer to shoot themselves and each other than go out and work. Actually, as I referred to them this morning, sadly, our children who will end up the recipients of, uh, Medicaid. Um, and I know that upsets some people, but listen, when most of these kids eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks at their public school, we have a problem and our superintendents are glorified real estate agents here in the city of Atlanta. Sorry, but they are. And when they're no longer used to the black mafia political cabal, then they're kicked to the curb. I digress. So back to priorities. We abdicate all of our priorities. It seems this goes back to the moral, uh, fiber of us as a nation, not just our leaders. We abdicate our responsibilities of our parents, our elderly, our grandparents, We abdicate our children and their growth, their mental, emotional, um, academic knowledge, their patriotism. We abdicate on the regular and what do we do? We throw $150 million at the department of health and human services. What would happen if we just brought our old people home? Just a thought. Now this is interesting. Here's another ditty in your CARES 2.0 Act. Ready? Funding for the Arts and Humanities. (laughs) Okay, I love this. If you remember, us Republicans weren't very happy about the $25 million that they gave through the CARES 1.0 Act to the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts and then laid people off. It's kind of like, hmm, interesting. It's kind of like giving businesses money in the way of a paycheck protection program who don't bring their people back who are supposed to be getting the paychecks good luck getting that money back so now we've allocated 10 million dollars more for the National Endowment for the Arts to provide relief grants for state and regional arts organizations and an additional 10 million for the National Endowment for the Humanities grants the arts And humanities groups each received 75 million in relief aid in the original CARES Act. And now they'll have more millions of your... Money okay, aid for meat and dairy industries. This is this is a little interesting for me because we're talking about meat shortages. I just shopped at a uh at Trader Joe's yesterday, my first time actually here, I think, in the city of Atlanta ever doing that. It's usually been a west coast thing for me when my daughter was at USC, but I was very impressed with our little Trader Joe's here, and I'll tell you. For me, it's, it's worth it. They're very friendly. Uh, it's a different kind of demographic in terms of, um, assistance and, and people being knowledgeable about where things are in their stores. Um, and it was just a totally different vibe, but I will say you are limited as to how many packages of chicken and beef you can walk out of that store with now. Uh, If you remember the conversation we had on my show a few weeks ago about supply chains, food supply chains, another reason why my priorities have shifted. I don't know about you, but I only have to get caught with my britches down one time for me to figure something out. And I know that the next time this happens, and there will be a next time, and I don't know that it'll be biological. It could be something actually much worse. That's an instantaneous stop to all our entire existence as we know it. Yes, I do believe that can happen. And yes, I do believe that our space force is of the utmost importance for us to get up and running um, uh, with, with people who are way smarter than I am. So all that to say, this will not be our last rodeo. And I'd prefer to have my own food supply chain in place. When and if this happens, call me a prepper if you must, but I bet you, some of you guys were like, hmm, I wonder if that old wackadoo Bob, who I thought wore a <laughs> tinfoil hat, actually has toilet paper. I wonder if they have toilet paper. And most preppers probably did. I know we did, uh, as well as at least a three-month supply of water. But in our in our current uh, food supply chain, we ran into issues between Basically the haves and the have nots and the two different stockpiles that we have one servicing our food industries, which are like restaurants and, and retail food supply chains. Um, did you realize that they make up 55% of our food consumption is outside of our homes again, again, Yeah, I I hate to use the word moral, but I will say, uh, I think it's very telling that we no longer sit around our dinner tables together and have conversations. Um, And we wonder why our kids' faces are always in their phones. More women than not have no idea how to boil an egg. Um, And then you wonder why, you know, your husbands feel somewhat like they're on their own. That's a whole other show, baby. And we've talked about that too. I guess it's because I was raised by a mom- um, and a family where we sat down together every day at 5 30, uh, PM to eat dinner. And my mother was very active in that. And so was my father. Uh, in, in the preparation thereof, we had three, we had, we had a meat, we had a starch, and we had a vegetable with every meal. That's what you get when you're raised by a depression baby. I love it. So, but we also have our grocer, supply chain. And there was a lot of milk, a lot of cheese, a lot of onions, a lot of things that are just in the state of Georgia, our Vidalia onion crop, literally millions of onions just spoiled because they're not being purchased by, they're not being distributed to our, uh, retail supply chain in the way of restaurant in the restaurant industry. So there, we have supply chain issues. So apparently there's going to be, um, a part of this program, your cares 2.0 that will, um, allow for, um, remedy for these guys in the way of a federal dairy program. Um, so that's what you got. Welcome to America where money grows on trees. Now that's just the beginning of, you know, just the never ending nonsense Coming from DC. Uh, but Tucker Carlson did a great job yesterday uh, evening of covering this new uh, CARES 2.0 propaganda bill that is uh, just packed full of little juicy nuggets, some of which we just covered. Um, in case you were wondering what our financial status is in the country, I wanted to go over some of those figures today because it's always good to be reminded of our ledger. Um, the economic impact of the coronavirus outbreak, um, as of the month of April set a record for one, the highest monthly deficit, $748 billion and two, two. The largest amount of money spent in a single month was $980 billion. The deficit for 2020 now stands at $1.47 trillion and might be heading to over 3 to $4 trillion because of other emergency aid efforts on the virus. So... We're not going to be in the red, I mean in the black, any time soon in our lifetime or otherwise. Dr. Fauci uh, got in a little bit of a heated battle yesterday, uh, considered to be the nation's top infectious disease expert, um, sat before Congress and said, you know, hey, it's too soon to reopen too fast. I'm concerned that we're going to have a resurgence of of uh, of this um, of this virus and our numbers will surge and Senator Rand Paul gave him a run for his money and uh, said you know basically you are not the end all be all um, of knowledge on this kind of in paraphrasing basically stay in your lane. <laughs> and uh, let people who handle the economic issues of the country handle the economic issues, and and you stick to what you know, but you certainly aren't the end-all, be-all guru of all things COVID-19. If you'll recall, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky was one of the first uh, Congress uh, people to uh, become infected. He tested positive for COVID-19, has recovered, thankfully. So, um, you know, he's no stranger to the uh, effects of this, uh, of this, of this virus from a personal perspective. For those of you who fly on the regular and, and may have uh, lost some money due to the pandemic, a group of eight senators, including Democrat Ed Markey of Massachusetts, plan to introduce legislation forcing airlines to issue refunds to passengers who canceled their flights due to the pandemic, and they want it to be retroactive to March 1st. Currently, airlines are only obligated to give refunds when the airline cancels a flight. So if you cancel due to the the pandemic, uh, some airlines, I guess, are giving you a hard time about that. My kids did not have a problem with that. Um, My daughter's boyfriend was scheduled to go back to Pennsylvania Right at the uh, onset of all of this and shutting down of things, airlines were still flying, of course, Um, and I want to say he was on Delta and they gave him no problems whatsoever. Uh, he was able to cancel his flight. I'm not sure if they credited his account for another flight or if they refunded, but they were very uh, generous in their response and understood. Uh, I know some of you may want your actual money back because maybe you're just not planning to fly for a while. Uh, So now Congress is getting involved to, you know, it's it's just, that's that double-edged sword again, right? where if you, when you get in bed with Caesar, Caesar gets to dictate so many things, you know, the airline industry, they, they need help. They're losing, you know, $60 billion a day. Um, you know, it's, it's a nightmare for this industry, but it is an industry, right? Sleepless dreaming, never let the bygones fade away with every reason. For a chance to turn the page, we only human. I don't want to let you go. Hi, Monica. Love your show. This is Life with Monica Matthews. Uh, in other news, uh, speaking of industries, Twitter is on the brink of, uh, on, well, actually, they've already decided that they're going to give their employees the option to work from home Forever. So that's my question to you today in closing. I'd like to know, um, how do you feel about that? If you are an employee and you've been at home quarantined and you're still working, how do you feel about continuing to work from home? If you're a business owner or uh, the president CEO of, of a bigger corporation, I'd love to hear from you as well. How do you feel about Keeping your employees at home, to me, you know, I look around Atlanta and I think, man, the last industry on earth I'd want to be in right now is uh, commercial real estate. Holy crap! I can't imagine how many people are just not paying their leases, their rents. You know, someone's on the hook for all of that. So, um, for those of you about to run out and invest in in real estate, I would. And again, I'm not a financial advisor or expert. Uh, it's just kind of common sense tells me that. This is this might not be the time for you to, to do just that unless you plan on paying that lease or mortgage, uh, paying that mortgage for the next, you know, probably year and a half before you start to see a rebound of people being able to uh, seek employment. I don't know what all of this is going to look like in the end, and I venture to say neither do you. But I don't think we're out of the woods, and I think between Obamagate, which the president Uh, tweets about daily. Now Uh, we're seeing, uh, you know, everyone from presidential uh, from campaign um, managers to uh, you know, being released early to be able to, from their prison sentences, to be able to go home with an ankle monitor, basically we're seeing that. Um, We're seeing anyone who's essentially been exonerated, you know, from general Flynn to uh, charges dismissed people who are looking at life imprisonment uh, now, thanks to the DOJ and things that they've uncovered and will continue to uncover. uh, You should probably stick very close to the president's Twitter feed because he's going to give some semblance of a hint as to what is coming uh, in the coming days. Um, There's going to be a rollout, a rollback really, and a rollout, but a rollback of, of people who have been steamrolled by what we're now, what we've known all along, but what's now being revealed by this current um, Department of Justice administration was essentially and fundamentally a coup, a coup d'etat. And, and beginning from the very, the anal's of, it goes so far beyond the, Obama administration. It goes deeper. I believe wider, it goes higher. Um, um, you're dealing with a labyrinth. You're dealing with a hierarchical structure. It reminds me of that scripture in Ephesians six and 12. It says you're not warring against flesh and blood, but of wickedness and darkness and, you know, evil in high places, principalities and powers. That's what we're talking about. It's it's not it's we can't be so simple minded as to think that Barack Hussein Obama was the mastermind behind toppling <laughs> or, you know, otherwise interfering with a uh a, a justly elected uh presidential campaign or administration. Um we we can't be that myopic. And I know you guys are so tired. And, and you're just wiped out from all of this. But I, th- I think if, if you can set your mind to the fact that we are at war, you know, it's easier to, um, it's, it's easier to sustain one's energy when you know, uh, what it is exactly you're dealing with. You know, when you know what stage of something you're in, Uh, if you don't, it becomes exhausting because it's confusing and it's, um, tiresome to the human psyche and people become apathetic. So I would encourage you not to become apathetic because every time we've become complacent or apathetic, we have given further ground of our liberties, our sovereignty, um, our ability to, uh, prosper in this country, our autonomy. Um, As a nation, we have we've given more and more of that away by virtue of just worn the hell out patriots or uh, those who are just, you know, you're kind of like some people I, I accuse us on the right of charging the hill, securing the hill. And running right back down the other side. Like we don't spend any time on top of the hill securing surrounding areas uh, and, and tightening our um, forging our stronghold. We, we tend to run right back down the other side of the hill. And, and I think that's by and large because we just don't like to fight. And if you think about it, the left wages war around any possible talking point. The industry of the left is warfare. Do you understand that? That is their industry. That is their, that is their honeypot. That, that is their, it, 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 it's incumbent upon them to create a continual atmosphere of strife and dissension, and confusion, and uh, abdication, and apathy, and if you just follow the train of of the of the human psychological, and the anatomy of the human psyche, right, of the human will, as a minister, I can tell you, and someone who has been in one battle after another, if you don't take a knee at some point, just for a brief period of time, you're not going to be able to stand. So I want you to think about something. I want you to get something in your mind as you prepare to go on about your day or your evening. I want you to read the story about Gideon in the Bible, go back to the old Testament. And I want you to read about Gideon's army and how they were chosen. That's the mindset with which we will need to move forward in this country with regard to voting, with regard to, uh, the sanctity of life, with regard to, uh, economic stability, uh, with regard to our sovereignty, our freedom, our future generations with getting our, and I honestly don't know how we do it, getting our deficit under control. And I don't know how we do it even with hashtag four more years, but I do know that God is greater than any mess we could create down here. So I want you to study about Gideon's army and really focus on why his 300 were chosen. Okay. All right. Until tomorrow, be encouraged. Love your neighbor beginning with yourself. Ah, follow me on Twitter at Monica on Air talk. Monty Matthews on Facebook. I am on, uh, InstaScam, you can find me there too. Uh Instagram. Also, iTunes, Stitcher, about fifty thousand other download mediums. And uh remember, if you're an American, act like one.